We are the Sacred Collective. All are respected, all are heard, all are welcome. Join us. Uh, Welcome to Sacred Collective, everyone. Uh, We have a special guest interview. I want to say a shout out to Mick Cox. Say hello. Hello. How's it going? Good, good. And then we also have Caleb. Hello. Hello, family. My dynamic co-host and duo in this troubled thing. (laughs) Um, I just want to say how I found out about you, Mick. Um, I was listening to a podcast, which I'm sad that I haven't listened to it much anymore, is As the Story Grows. I think that's what it was called. And just because they have a lot of cool, a lot of cool bands, a lot of cool musicians on there. And all of a sudden, it was like, Mick Cox, the founder or one of the original founders of Zayo. And I'm like, hey, I like Zayo. Uh, I grew up with them jamming out. Hell yeah. And then I listened to the podcast and all the stuff that you were doing. And a part of them, like, hey, this guy would be really cool to be on Sacred Collective. And then I just never sent you a message for like a couple months because, you know, life. And then I sent you a, an invite, you know, probably like three, four months ago. And once again, life with stupid COVID and right. me being married and have a family and all that stuff. And then you reached out and you're like, hey, do you still want me to be on a podcast? I was like, yes, sure I do. So, so the moral of the story is, is that he booked himself because you dropped the ball over and over, Brian. <laughs> yeah, so, so I apologize on that. That's my fault. Oh, it's Such all a terror. Such a terrible host of a podcast. I don't even reach out to potential guests. Well, at least you, you like outed yourself. Like you, you, uh, no one <laughs> called you to court over this. Like no one was like, "What the hell, Brian? You're just <laughs> confessing your sins uh, one to another." I, I've had a couple people reach out. They're like, "Hey, I want to be on your podcast." I'm like, "Sweet." And then I just never do. I, I will say that's a trade after my dad. He'd be like, oh, let's go get a beer. And then somebody would call him and be like, are we going to get that beer? Uh, sure. And then he would still never do it. So that's something I get from my father. Um, anyway, so Mick, um, just a couple questions I have is how, how, since Zale was probably one of my favorite hardcore bands growing up, I still like them. But how did, how did you get involved with that? Were you like one of the founding members or like with Sean? Did you know Sean and Jesse and all those people or how'd that go down? Well, um, I'm one of the founding guys. Um, Eric Reeder and I, I'm trying to think what year it was. I'm going to say 91. Uh, we kind of met in high school in art class and became friends. And eventually, like, my dad pastored a small church in Little Hocking, Ohio. His family lived in Vincent, Ohio, which is about 20 minutes away. But he had a youth group that met in Parkersburg, West Virginia. So he started inviting me to it, and we started hanging out there. And then uh, another guy we started hanging out with in art class was a kid named Roy Gowdy. He was an insane guitar player. And Eric and I, because I had played bass, and Eric thought he could play guitar, uh, <laughs> kind of had fooled around some and, and, and wrote some stuff, and it was horrible. And um, But Roy started hanging out with us and actually went to, this is going to be funny, actually went to a Bride concert. I don't know if you ever heard of the oh, old I remember Christian. Bride. Yeah. So he went to that and we kind of hung out and, and more. And then he started coming to us, coming with us to this youth group and we started writing music. And so that was like the beginnings of Zayo. And uh, that was before Jesse because we had a guy, I, I can't even remember his last name. It's so bad. But there was this kid named George that played drums. And like mm-hmm. we wrote 
like four songs and we were going to go record and we were like, where are we going to go record at? And while there was this guy in our church that was a pretty uh, like crazy 70s funk guitarist and he had a four track, but only three tracks worked. And he was like, <laughs> you can come to my house and record in the garage. And he had this, he had a kid his, his and uh, he had a son, his name was Jesse. And he was like, yeah, you probably know Jesse, just come and hang out and then we'll record. So we, we all showed up, but George never showed up. And like an hour later, we we're like, where's George? Like, we don't know. And Jesse was like, I could probably play those songs. Ah. And the rest is history. So Jesse sat down on the drum set and played the drums. And we didn't see George again for like four months. He like disappeared. Jeez. And we we're like, George, where did you go? He's like, oh, I had things to do. And that was it. Like, so George was <laughs> gone and Jesse was in and and everything's from there. So, yeah. It's crazy. Wow. Yep. Uh, were you were you just on the first album? Uh, did I was you leave on, on the... Uh, all else filled CD on Steadfast, and then the Splinter Shards on Tooth and Nail. Nice. So I, so I was on those two. I started re-listening to that, and it's just that album slaps so so hard. It's so good. Hey Mick, did you or any of the other members ever have any uh, crossover being like on the worship band while you were also in Zao? <laughs> yeah, we did. You? We did that too. I sniffed yeah. it out because uh, yeah, I had a similar uh, experience in high school. So. <laughs> the youth group that uh, we all were going to, which was uh, all the guys in Zao went to, except for me because I was going to my dad's church, and eventually they kind of uh, pulled me in and go there. And so yeah, we all played in the youth worship band too. Right on, man. <laughs> <laughs> You know, this is not the only band that I grew up loving, you know, whether on Tooth and Nail or one of those other kind of Christianese labels is how many of these guys went to church, started jamming in their church because their right. dad or someone was a pastor, were a worship pastor, but then they they eventually got kicked out of their church because that's just <laughs> devil's music. It's too right. loud. <laughs> like, I don't know if you ever heard of the band, either of you, Showbread. Um, yeah. The screamo band. They kind of remind me of Blood Brothers, if you know who Blood oh, Brothers yeah, yeah, are. Oh, yeah, sure. Yeah. I would say they were like the Christian equivalent. Oh, okay. And they, they all, they're, I think they're from somewhere in Georgia, and they all met like in church, youth group. Yeah. And okay. one of the guys' dad was a pastor, and I used to love them like when they were, when they first came out. And they were just like, they got kicked out of their own church because they were like, this can't be Christian music when people are screaming and, <laughs> and yelling, you sound demonic. And I nice. was like, well... Yeah, I just think it was funny, too, because, like, when I got introduced to music, of course, I'm the youngest out of two siblings, but I got, you know, when I growing up, I grew up in the Assemblies of God, and it was like, you had to either listen to worship music, like Michael W. Smith, Stephen Curtis Chapman, <laughs> and I will and I will say I had a youth leader who was like, there's so much good music out there, and it, they, he gave me uh, Mortal, if you know, remember the band Mortal there? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Which eventually turned into Fold Zandura and... And I think one of the guy went to like Switchfoot, and they that was awesome. And so I kind of got into like that weird music. Then, uh, then I finally found uh, um, Smashing Pumpkins, which was like my foray into all that. And then I just went to this deep dive and got into like punk rock music. And then I think Zaya was the first like hardcore group that i was like this is really good and then i was like i don't like hardcore i like punk rock and then probably when i was like 16 <laughs> then when i was like 16 or 17 i'm like you know what punk rock is good but i love hardcore so i and we'll get into like coffee and hardcore but that's one thing i love is i like coffee as well maybe not as much as you and your co-host <laughs> co 
But I'm like, when you guys play all these like hardcore tracks, I'm at work and I'm like, yes, I just like want to start like <laughs> I want to start like a circle pit or Hell something. Yeah. <laughs> and then I, re- then I realize I'm at work and I'm also too old to do <laughs> circle pits. <laughs> so, <laughs> thank you, Mick, for getting me into Zeo and and slapping good music. Um, yeah, maybe because Sacred Collective, we talk about everything and anything, spirituality. Um, um, cause usually how we usually started, we, we have how Sacred Collective started was uh, like a small group of, of us who a lot of us were, you know, from church deconstructed. Some of us are Christians. Some of us are atheists. We're all over on, uh, on, you know, GLBTQ. Some of us are, you know, straight, bi, gay, um, all that. But it's really made it hard with COVID, um, getting people together. Caleb had to, sadly move away so all this stuff happened and so we're like hey let's just do interviews and you know just interviewing people that we think are cool and have a good story so that's why we reached out to you um but if you're comfortable just maybe talk about for a little bit like your spiritual background your journey like where you're at and and all that okay yeah um i kind of have a i don't know if it's too crazy but i i grew up in a very conservative pentecostal background ah, yeah. like i heard I, I heard you mention assemblies of god my my dad pastored a church of god which is oh. close brother We're kissing cousins yeah yeah um and not only was my dad a pastor, but we, I mean, my grandparents were missionaries. My great grandparents were also church planners in the Church of God. My great great grandparents oh, were. Oh my goodness! So it's like five generations, and I think before that we were horse thieves. So I don't know why. <laughs> <laughs> um, so horse thieves in Kentucky, and then moved to West Virginia and Ohio Yeehaw. and became pastors. But yeah, <laughs> but um, so I grew up in that and. It's kind of weird. Both of my parents were. My mom was a hippie growing up, and then my dad was ultra conservative. Mostly grew up on a farm. They got together at a church of God, and uh, and uh, got married. And so they had this dynamic where my mom was super like open to stuff. Like I could like we listened to you know the radio at the house. Uh, I grew up listening to Dylan and the Beatles and all this stuff and my dad loved uh R&B and and Motown stuff and Elvis oh, wow. so we we listened to that a lot. Um I remember when we moved to North Dakota and dad was going to Bible college and even there I like I the record player was always playing, you know, that kind of stuff. But when dad started pastoring churches that's when it got kind of weird because uh, my Sunday school teachers, everybody was like, you can't listen to that. You can't do this. And I'm like, what? So I immediately became the rebellious preacher's kid. <laughs> and even to the point to where uh, my grandma, like uh, they'd always have these state camp meetings every year. And dad was pastoring this really small church in West Virginia. And so it was all the way at the end of the state. And so I'd go there and I've always had this thing like, um, I wanted to know more. So if somebody told me something, I wanted to know more about it. So I would dig and read. And so when I found out there was more than just the King James Bible, ah. like I wanted, I wanted to read all these other Bibles. So uh, my grandma bought me my first non King James Bible. And I remember taking it to, to my Sunday school class and was told I wasn't allowed to read it. No way. Um, oh yeah. Oh wow. The preacher's kid wasn't allowed to read his Bible in Sunday school. Hardcore. So that just made me want to read, want me to read it more and find more translations and different things. So I, I kind of grew up in that weird dynamic. Like I was allowed to question and, and ask questions and, and go through all this. But at the same time I had this whole, you know, 
thing butting up against it. So we're like, no, you can't do that. So by the time I get to high school, we had moved to where where I'm at now, Little Hawking, Ohio, and across the river is Parkersburg, West Virginia. That's when I started going to high school and I ran into Eric Reeder and the rest of the guys in Zayo, and we started hanging out. And they all went to a charismatic church. So now I'm going from Pentecostal to a charismatic church. And uh, so almost this, it, it's like almost the same thing, but on, but everybody drinks Mountain Dew all the time. Like, you know what I'm saying? It's like, it's like hyped <laughs> up, like over the top. Like, you know, I grew up in, in Southern West Virginia. And so when they had quote unquote revival, there was no air conditioning and it was hot and they played the piano and the bass and it, uh, it was loud right. and, you know, and a lot of shaking and a hollering and a rolling on the floors and the bobby pins flying. Well, then it, uh, all it did was just upgrade a little bit is like people were dressed nicer and they wore deodorant. So, <laughs> so Drinking Red Bull like, too, probably. Yes. Yeah. Switched from Mountain Dew to Red Bull. Um, so I grew up in that and I, and eventually there was a youth pastor that came uh, to that place that um, had a very positive influence, but also pretty negative influence. Like when I go back and look at um, some of the things that I would consider spiritual abuse, that's kind of where that originated from. Like it was always kind of, you know, I look at back at the stuff with the Sunday school teachers and all that, you know, that was just, they didn't know any better, I guess. They yeah. just kind of what they were always taught. But when you get somebody that comes in that has a very charismatic personality and, that, and is constantly yelling and preaching and, and talking about hell to the point to where, you know, you, the reason why I left Zayo was because this guy's influence in my life. Like, um, it was almost like a cult like atmosphere. Um, oh wow! That gets into some of that charismatic realm teaching, ultra, you know, controlling in those things. And so um, I got caught up in that, and eventually started planting churches for that church. Mm. And so in '99. Um, I started working to go and plant a church for this charismatic church that all the Zayo guys kind of came out of and actually went and planted one for them and uh, uh, did that for about two years and then came back home and uh, started working with a couple other churches in, uh, in the area. So, you know, I started questioning things. Um, as far as my, you know, how I how I was raised in the whole Pentecostal charismatic scene, it probably started happening um, when I started realizing uh, the control that um, that leaders in ministry try to cop sometimes. Like mm-hmm. this, the constant like you have to be here to do this. Like I I remember. Um, after I came back from the church, church from the first church that I had planted in Ohio, I came back to West Virginia and I was working with this group and, uh, I was leading worship. I was doing stuff with their youth group. I was, you know, just constantly involved in everything. And I remember just wanting to take a break and being told, Oh no, we need you here this week. You can't, if you're not here, then the oh, worship wow. team's not going to work. If they're not here, this, it's not. And so I started like, wait a second, why is it like this? But because I grew up as a preacher's kid, I was mm. kind of like, you just got to keep pushing. You got to keep moving. Yep. And so I just mm-hmm. kept doing that. Uh, and I kind of bounced from one place to the next, constantly running into that, constantly like mm. being, you know, I don't want to say taken advantage of, but it's kind of how it feels. Yeah, you know? yeah. Like unhealthy expectations, it sounds like. Right. 
So, you know, in that time I'm in my, you know, I'm in my twenties at that point. By the time I get to my thirties, I'm still doing the same thing over and over again. I'm working for people who, you know, constantly have these giant expectations and, mm. and going through all these different things. And at the same time, I'm having all these questions. Well, eventually I, uh, see my wife and I got married when I was 29. And so, uh, you know, and she had a lot of the same background as I did and carrying a lot of the same baggage that mm. I was, even to the point of like, even for her, uh, some of the, um, you know, like the self kind of like how you feel about yourself, how you look about how you look at yourself. And, yeah. and she was always kind of into crazy music as well, like I was, but she grew up in an atmosphere where that was totally frowned upon mm. totally looked at and so anything that she had a thought that was different it was like automatically judged or you know yeah. made fun of or stuff like that so you know we're together and and you know not thinking like how hurt we were in all this stuff and and all these things we were together for probably i would say in, uh until we lost our first child uh-huh. And that's when it really started hitting hard. Like we started having, a, like we always had questions. We always had these deep conversations, but we could never figure out where's all this hurt coming from. Where's all these things taking place? You know, why is why do we feel like we're never doing enough? Mm. Why are we always feeling like we're being taken advantage of? And it was at that point uh, when we lost our first child that things started opening up and we started seeing things. Now here's the crazy thing: by this point, I was at. We were both working at a church uh, that was highly conservative, and not only were they conservative, charismatic, but they were also heavily involved into politics, like mm-hmm. oh my gosh. super involved. Right, I know wing. where this is going, and um, <laughs> and isn't that illegal? They, or? <laughs> pre- yes, it is. Yeah. <laughs> but um, right when the Tea Party started getting big. That's oh, when we were there. Uh, That's this church was involved in it. One mm. of the main hubs for the Tea Party in Ohio. Actually, oh wow. So I'm doing uh, youth ministry for them. I'm doing uh, all their social media. And then I'm starting, they're wanting me, because they have so much close ties with all these groups, they're wanting me to do social media and video work for all these groups. Mm. So Lindsay and I are beginning this whole process of deconstruction. And we're also noticing that the whole tie with the church and empire is very ugly, but I'm also going out and doing all these um, interviews and, you know, shooting video for all these different groups. Like there was a time when I was traveling to DC for the, for the church, but really was for these other groups and meeting with senators and congressmen and uh, sitting across tables with them, sitting in the, you know, that rotunda that you always see where the senators are always talking. You see the big pillars yep. behind them. Like yep. I had my camera set up in the same place and we're talking to these people and we're having conversations with them. And the whole time my brain is going, what is going on here? This, there's something here that doesn't seem right. And it was also around this time when I started, you know, my wife and I started having a conversation about, you know, the LGBTQ community because we're constantly being told there's an agenda. There's a gay agenda. And and, uh, I remember being on the road with Zayo and, um, you know, being, you know, from West Virginia, most of my life, poor towns, you know, you never really, there's never really someone that's outspoken or would even say anything about anything like and so when i was on the road then i started having conversations with folks and 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 um meeting and and making friends and they're open enough to talk about um you know their sexual identity and stuff like that and so you have to have so it was in those moments where i was having these this 
crisis of, wait a second, I was told my entire life this is evil. This guy's not evil. This guy's, you know, they just, this person just wants to be treated like a human being. So there's something, so what's wrong here? And Mm. so that's, you know, so stuff started shifting back then, but now here we are later and we're having these conversations and I'm looking like, there is no agenda. People just want to be treated like human beings. Like, this is stupid. And I, and, and I still don't have all the, the language in, in the, the right way, I guess the right way to say things. All I know is, is that through all this and us walking through it all, um, I would, I, I don't, like I said, I don't have the right terminology or anything, but, um, you know, we've come to a point where, you know, Lindsay and I and even our the congregation that we lead now, we're LGBTQ affirming. Um, I hope that's the right yeah. phrasing. Mm-hmm. Like uh, just just wanting to be uh, just wanting everybody to encounter the way of love. That's that's my mm. thing. And everybody's uh, every human being is divine, no matter mm. no matter how anybody else sees them, they're divine. But it's it took it took. um that moment back several years ago when we lost our first child and we started mm. seeing things differently and started hearing, we could actually hear for once if that makes sense, any sense at all. Oh yeah. Through this tragedy, sure. we could actually hear, um, you know, what's being said right now is, is, is scary. It's, it's what we've always studied in history of any time the church gets involved with an mm. empire. Normally there's bloodshed or there's a, or a, a people group are either uh, enslaved or hurt and, or, or forced into something. Um, there's all kinds of rules and regulations brought up against them because they're seen as less than human. And I was, I remember trying to change that system and trying to bring those conversations up and just being constantly shut down. And then the final straw for us is um, there was a, a bill that was trying to be passed in Ohio called the Heartbeat Bill. And I was doing all the behind the scenes social media stuff for it, um, meeting with all these congressmen and stuff. And what I started to realize is that this bill that was supposed to be the savior for the pro-life movement and it was supposed to end abortion in all the nation, Mm. the rest of the pro-life community didn't like it because they were going to start losing money. And they were going to start losing funding for their movement, and so the oh. pro life, the pro life group, like um, the right to life group in Ohio, started mm-hmm. fighting against it and started telling the senators that they had made contributions to not to do it. And this other group was getting mad, and they would be like, "No, you can't do this. You got to do this." And then I started looking. And I was like, "Wait a second! You guys don't even care about life. Wow! You mm-hmm. don't even care about any of these things. You just care about the money." Wow. So Nick, was it was it that just so I follow you? I'm sorry to interrupt. But, um, was it right. that the bill would be so effective that it would put them out of work? Essentially. Yes. Okay. All right. That's sorry. What, I just wanted to clarify. Thank you. Yeah. That's what they. That's what the people who put the bills together. They said this is going to work. I see. And so the other groups were afraid that if it was actually that effective, it would put them out of okay. business. And so when I started seeing that, then I was like, okay, then I see the issue here. You know, it has nothing to do with life. This has nothing to do with anything. It has to do with money. Right. And so that's when everything started to open up, and I started realizing, you know, a lot of this stuff is about money and power. Yeah. Um, the reason why they say there is a gay agenda is because they have to have an enemy to fight so mm. they can make their money or they can k- keep their power. Um, the same sure. way with the, the yeah. pro-life movement. I don't want to mock and make fun of that movement because there's probably some honest, genuine people in it. But oh, at sure. the same time, but at the same time, 
um, they don't see anything further than a baby. If you, to me, if you're going to be pro-life, then you'd have to be pro-Medicare, pro-Medicare, uh, uh, Medicaid, pro-you know, pro-life. You're not going to be pro-death. You're not going to. You're going to be against the death penalty. You're going to uh, be for immigration. You're, I mean, for allowing anyone who needs to come to get away from the crap that they've been involved in. Then, yeah, we need to have the safe passes. They need to get here, but you don't see any of that. And so that's when you start. For us, we started to see like, okay. There's definitely some some crap here that's just not cool. So we ended up actually leaving that scenario. And we, but we were so hurt, and we tried to start something on our own in Parkersburg. And um, lesson learned, it was probably something I shouldn't have done. I probably should have waited. I probably should have chilled out for a little bit. Um, but I didn't. And I, there were still a lot of bitter things that I had. And so I, some of the leadership that was involved in it... Um, in my opinion, wasn't moving fast enough. And so it angered me. <laughs> so I would just do stuff anyway. I was like, we're going to do this and we're going to, and it just made everybody, it just made everybody mad uh. and angry. And so eventually we had to, we had to shut things down and, and it was, it was for the best. I was just, I wasn't at a place. Um, I was making, uh, just rash decisions, mm. dumb, just dumb. And, and I, I, what I was learning is I was just hurting people. Like I had been hurt my entire life. Um, you know, expecting things, pushing things, expecting more out of myself and putting myself in a, in a position where I was just, you know, making bad decisions out of anger and hurt instead of making life decisions. And so we took some time off and chilled and, and about, I think it's been four years ago, about four years ago, um, a good, well, four years ago, if you make the big circle come all the way back around. My friend that I've had now for uh, about 30 years, Eric Reeder, the first singer of Zao, came to me and he was like, hey, I know you guys have been taking a break. I know you guys haven't been doing anything, but there's this small church in Ohio and they really need some help and some leadership. I really think you should talk to him and see what you think. And so I had known the pastor and because he had, he owns a coffee shop, actually the, the sweatshirt of the coffee shop that I'm wearing now. Oh, cool. nice. Um, uh, he owns a coffee shop, so I knew him, and so we sat down and talked for at a Wendy's in ah. Ohio for a, for a long time, and uh, and eventually we we're like, "Why don't you come in and just all you got to do is just come in and teach and and work with us, and and we'll go from there." And and so we did, and then two years in, they're like, "Hey, we want you to change the name because we're tired of the name." I'm like, "Okay," <laughs> so we changed the name, and um, and now we just straight up we're only doing. Uh, online services right now so um but yeah that it's been a crazy long journey um we've we've been in deconstruction now probably for about eight years maybe a little bit longer um trying to it's hard because there's a lot of experiences that i've had especially when i was younger in the pentecostal church and even in the charismatic church that are are lovely and beautiful and i wouldn't trade them for anything but at the same time, there's a lot of pain and there's a lot of hurt and there's a lot of nonsense, a lot of stuff that's not even based on, uh, I don't know, not even based on truth, like holding certain things higher than, than what it needs to be held. And, and then the, the reverse of just treating people um, as less than mm. and, um, you know, fighting so hard about these about, you know, I, I'll I'll never understand uh why we the church just tends to hurt people instead of love people mm. try so hard to to say that they're loving but then um 
you know, run into somebody from the LGBTQ to LGBTQ community and, and be like, Oh yeah, you know, we love you, but they, you know, it's, it's really love the person, hate the sin, which is the one of the most atrocious things that's ever been thought of in the church. Amen. Um, but you know, one thing that's really helped, you know, Lindsay and I is my nephew about two years ago, uh, called me he was like hey i want to have a conversation with you and i was like all right and so we drove out and, and met at this coffee shop and we were talking and and uh he came out and um he was waiting for me to respond and i'm sitting across the table from me from him and i'm like i wonder how i'm tr- looking at him going you know in my brain i'm having a conversation with myself i'm thinking of everything that i was raised in and everything that i was you know told and then everything that i had grown up in and then everything that he's probably heard cuz he's grown up in the same scenarios mm. that i have and i'm like what do i say here cuz i don't want to just give him a cheap you know hey man i love you like that's why are you worried about talking to me about that mm. I, you know it's an honor for you to come out you know so mm-hmm. i'm just trying to stumble i'm stumbling over my words and i'm just like dude, I love you. Why, you know, this is not going to change anything. I love you. I'm thank you. You know, I'm like, thank you for being brave enough to tell me. Mm. Cause at the time he was, uh, working with me at the church that we were at. He was, um, you know, doing worship. He was, you know, I had him do communion all the time. And I was like, this isn't going to change anything. And I said, everybody that's connected with you in this community that we are in now, no one's going to treat you differently. No one's going to say anything. And, and so in conversations with him, it's actually helped us like, how do we talk about this now? How do we like, we've all kind of deconstructed and we're at this place where we can like, Oh, we're, we're forming and we're what, but now how do you actually do it? Mm. Um, so we're, we're learning how to do that. We're, we're trying our hardest and, um, and talking and being open and, um, mm. we're get you know, it, the slap back hasn't happened yet because <laughs> mm-hmm. we definitely live in a very conservative region. Mm. Um, and, uh, so, but we're walking that out. So wow. it's been an interesting ride for us. So, wow. Yeah. I hope that made sense. Oh my goodness. Oh, for sure. That was so, so well put. Um, so many beautiful sentiments you expressed in there, Mick. That was really, really, yeah, really well put there. Can I just ask quickly, um, what, if you don't mind disclosing what, uh, you, you keep saying us and like the church community, is, is it a certain denomination you're still, is it, is it uh church of God still, or, uh, is it like, no, not- no, it's non-denominational. We, no, no, no. Um, yeah, this uh, the church that we kind of came in and started helping with. Um, they were called Faith Joy Fellowship at the time, and it was started by um, the guy that I know who was pastoring at the time. His father-in-law had had been doing it, and he passed away. And so they kind of took it over and they just kind of kept it going. And they were like, we just don't want to keep it going if we want to, we want to kind of like just do something. And, and they had already been walking through some deconstruction things too. Oh, wow. And, and plus Eric and his family were there and they've went through that as well. And so you put us three together and we just started working on things and we're like, how can we do that? Like I've planted four churches in my life. Um, I've been doing stuff like this for 25 years how can we do this to where like my kids, your kids, how can we do this where we don't see them get hurt by this system? Mm. How can Mm. we do it? How can we do it? And so we just started talking about, um, you know, 
uh, what we call now uh, Hope Community. This is what the, what the community is called now. It's hard for me even to say the word church anymore because mm-hmm. of everything that's been happening. So I go out of my way just to say Hope Community. Mm-hmm. Um, but what, what you know, our our whole thought process now is is like um, we call it the way of love. Um, we just want to walk in the way of love. God is love, and uh, we are created from that love. Um, and so the base core of who we are is love Mm. and that's all humanity. So if I can see everybody as love, then I'm going to treat them that way. And Mm. I might disagree or, or whatever, but it doesn't matter. The base of who they are, the base of their humanity is love. That's what they were created from. And so that's kind of like how we roll. We call it, um, uh, I call it being a hope dealer. (laughs) 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 So, uh, so we kind of base everything off of that. Crack hope, Um, hope cane. Yeah, (laughs) (laughs) but yeah, we uh, so we kind of you know we kind of roll like that and um, and it's been good. Like this last year, we've just been doing everything online um, because of COVID. We've been we've tried very hard to be careful, and we have because we have some older folks, and we don't want to see any of them, uh, uh, you know, be affected. And then you know, we also have this thing. It's like if we're going to be together, like we legit want to be together. We want to be able to high five, hug hang out, goof off, you know, whatever. We don't want us to just, you know, have mass on to be 10 feet apart. We can do that at home. Yeah. And plus we have, we all have little kids and they just want to run and be crazy. And we're like, eh, we'll just wait. And so we've done it now for a year. And, um, it's so crazy because all of us, you know, in, in, you know, in the leadership or whatever, none of us have been, you know, we've been safe. We've, you know, kept distance or whatever. And then this last two months, like, um, uh, one of the guys uh, got he had COVID first, and then uh, uh, my wife and I ended up getting COVID a couple of weeks ago. Oh, um, man. And then, um, well, it's been a month ago, but at the last of the year, my dad uh, he he went somewhere and preached a service, and he probably shouldn't have went. I tried to say, hey, you know, I don't think they're that safe, and he went anyway because it was like an anniversary mm. thing. He ended up catching COVID, and he passed away oh, man. And, oh, at the I'm end sorry. of the year. Sorry to hear that, so, um, so, so for uh, us, that's what I'm saying. For us, we've been very, like, we took it serious, and so we were yeah. just trying to get, that's kind of like the, you know, love our neighbor. That's kind of like what we've been trying to, to do. Mm. with that so that's why we haven't been meeting uh we just been, and it's worked out great for us you know it's kind of like this we just sit and talk and chat and i i share and then i've had other people come on and and we're going to work on doing some something like this where there's more than one of us and we just sit and chat and talk it's kind of like we're try to be as laid back as possible because i'm laid back and like i don't want to be anything that i'm not yeah so, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so that's just kind of what we do so it's been fun it's great well, I know. Well, thank you for that story. Yeah. It's an amazing, amazing journey. Mm-hmm. And I think all of us here on the podcast have are going through some sort of deconstruction. I know I know I have probably been through deconstruction for like the last 10 years. And I don't know if it's ever going to mm-hmm. end. <laughs> we'll see. No. But yeah. And I mean, I know talk, kind of talking about churches and or I don't even like that word kind of like you said, Mick, but Caleb and I are kind of part time pastors ourselves. And we like to do um, because I met Caleb through Jay Baker's church, Revolution Church, when he was here in Minnesota. And then they moved out to Seattle um, to have it out there. Um, 
and then I took over the one here in, in Minneapolis. So we're all connected to, to Jay in that way. But yeah, we we've been doing it online. I know for me, I've been doing Jay's been doing it for twenty odd some years, and I've been doing it for about three but three months, three or four months, and it's I, I miss seeing the people face to face. I yeah. miss, you know, because we meet in a bar, and I just miss that. I mean, it's great having people online, and we have the technology to do it, but I'm like you, Mick. I want to, like, hug people, high-five them, and all that, and it just and it sucks that we can't do it right. in the midst of a pandemic. But, yeah, and I just want to say I love the name Hope Community, mm-hmm. the the Hope mm-hmm. Dealer, because that's what we all need. We all, we no matter where we're on in our faith journey, I tell people, is we all need that, um, those people that care about us can walk with us on our journey wherever our journey's at and 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 being there for people no matter where they're at in their life and like what you said with your nephew of, of him coming out and it's such an amazing thing that he came out to you and and you accepted him and all, and all that and because there's so many people who are in the church so to say and they they won't accept a loved one or a congregant or whatever right. so just with everything you're doing with that is amazing so thank you um for for being such a cool person for doing that. Well, well thank you. I I just I tell, you know, sometimes it's like how do you come up with the words to say and how do you come up with the thing, you know, the right things to say and what I've come to find out is you know, sometimes you don't need the right words, mm, you just need to be yeah. there. Yeah, for you sure. just need to be there. And so that's kind of like what I've been trying to do is just be there and and like listen. Mm. Because it's so easy just to talk, talk, talk. But man, would it be really good if we just, especially uh-huh. the church? Can you imagine <laughs> if we just shut up and listen for, mm-hmm. <laughs> for once and uh, hear what's actually going on? I think there'd be a whole lot more stuff. You know, preach. Revolution. We used to have a uh, a flyer that said um, at the top said, "As Christians, comma, we are sorry for being self righteous, arrogant bastards." <laughs> That's the flyer. Yeah, we passed it out. <laughs> Sorry for being self-righteous, arrogant bastards. I love Jay. I love. I love Jay's uh, his his inks. I mean, it was that stuff why I got turned on to to Jay's ministry all those years ago. Is I was like deconstructing, and then I'm like, oh, I know who the Bakers were because of PTL. And then to have his son, who he is, and have these like flyers i'm like ooh, he's edgy he's this and then but then once you get to know him i'm like he you know he practices what he preaches which is which is an amazing thing so it's kind of cool of our our connection me caleb and and him um if i can just you know kind of pivot a little bit i mean uh-huh. i don't know how we can move on from that <laughs> deep dive that we just did i almost feel guilty doing that but it's all right can you can you talk about um coffee and hardcore i mean i know you do bearded hope podcasts as much yeah. uh, too but um kind of how did you come up with coffee and hardcore i mean what's your co-host's name i forget it's it's wiley willis wiley willis how did yeah. you and wiley kind of just come to talk about coffee and hardcore because it feels like it's two things that don't go together yeah but well, it, it does does go quite well wiley and i um we met it's been a couple years ago through just through band stuff like um eric reader and i had started another band called to live his sons and we were putting together a demo and um somehow wiley heard about it and he messaged me and was like hey um you should put 
one of your songs on this compilation. Uh, my band, Two Minute Minor, is doing stuff with Zap Records from England. And I was like, okay. And so that kind of started, we started talking. And so it never quit. Him and I just back and forth on social media, just kept talking. And then he sent me some of his band stuff. And I was like, oh, dude, this is cool. So I dug it. And so anytime they put out an album, I was buying it. And so we just kind of developed this friendship and we eventually, uh, our two bands played a show together in Michigan and we hung out quite a bit and he was also singing for the blamed at that time. And so what? like I knew, I knew some of the, I knew Brian and, uh, and Jim Chaffin back from the day. And so like, it was kind of cool to have that kind of reunion. And then, um, co- you know, like last I want to say it was in the it was in the summer. My wife and I are sitting on the deck at our old house and we're talking and I get a phone call and Wiley would never call me. He would just like text me or send a message and he's calling me. I was like, oh, no, I hope something's not wrong. So I answer the phone. He's like, what are you doing? And I said, I'm sitting on the deck and I'm drinking iced tea and, you know, it's a nice day. And he's like, dude, what do you think about starting a podcast? I went, what? And he says, I know you already got one, but what do you think about starting a podcast? I was like, okay, well, what's it going to be about? He says, it's going to be about coffee and hardcore. I was like, well, I love both, so let's do it. And so, <laughs> um, so That's so in, great. Nice. Wiley is one of those guys that, like, he never stops moving. He's almost like the Tasmanian devil. He just mm. keeps going and going and going and going. And within a week, he messaged me back and said, hey, I've got... Um, the first episode we'll do just you and I talk. And the second episode, I've got um, uh, this coffee company that we can review. I've got this this guy we can talk to. I mean, he just put he's just boom. And he he had three months done in like in like a week. Wow! <laughs> he had it all scheduled and everything. I'm like, oh man. And then you know, I'm starting getting messages. Hey, Skullcrack is going to do the theme song, or not Skullcrack? At that time, it was Battle Royale is going to do the theme song. And uh, and we we're like, oh okay. And so we just kind of slowly put it together and um we just talk about coffee which we both love coffee we drink coffee all the time we don't know what we're talking about when we talk about it which makes <laughs> it funny uh but um we just try to find uh coffee companies that we know like one is is doing something in their community or doing something with the group that they get their coffee from uh, the coffee beans from, uh, or if they're just unique and different, like we're going to, we, uh, we've got, we had the guys from brutality coffee come or do an interview. I think it's going to be on this, the coming up episode. And, uh, we weren't expecting it. Like they just kind of, it kind of worked out and we, we set a time to do the interview and then come to find out like they had a, they had a, a beard, a oil company. They had, uh, they had a mead like a Ooh. like a Viking mead company, like oh, they also nice. had their own uh, uh, v- not vodka gin, maybe I don't mm. know. They, but they were they had like five different companies, and it was like amazing to talk to these guys. And plus, the one guy that was kind of behind everything was just like Wiley, so they were like going back and forth really fast. <laughs> so mm-hmm. you know, that's I mean, with the the coffee stuff, that's what we try to find people that we you know we know one that we like their stuff and two uh, they're kind of doing something different. And then on the other side with the hardcore stuff, it's just it's really honestly just bands and uh, or people that we have in one way or another either heard or found out about because of somebody else. And then it's stuff that we like and listen to. So, you know, like all the reviews that we've done, it's just, it's always been, I don't think there's, we've ever 
sent a band to one another that we didn't instantly go, oh, yeah, this is awesome. <laughs> nice. <laughs> um, That's a great report. Good record. <laughs> yeah, so far. Um, but, uh, yeah, there's there's just so much good heart. And we're trying to stick to, like, hardcore and punk. We're trying not to go beyond that 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 realm. So, yeah, we, we've been finding a lot of cool punk and hardcore bands. It's It's been really good. And then uh, we get to talk to some crazy people. Like, uh, we talked to um, Jacob from Oak and Crow, who at one time was the guitar player for The Blamed. So that was a good, you know roll down memory lane and to talk and then uh we had um oh the guy from turbo vamps a uh, big chicago punk band um but to talk to him and find out that he also does uh he works for a, a park reserve <laughs> like he's like a ranger for a park reserve wow i'm like hold on a second like you're in this punk <laughs> band and you're also this guy for a park reserve oh what? i listened to that episode yeah, yeah that was really good that was really good so it's you know having, having those conversations have been pretty cool Nice. I feel like I need to meet this Wiley guy. He seems uh, seems something somebody I would get along with quite well. Oh yeah, he he is a goofball, but he's also the nicest guy in the world. Like, and to be honest with you, if it wasn't for him, like the coffee and hardcore thing wouldn't be doing what it's doing, and it wouldn't be moving where it's going. And then from that, we started Coffee and Hardcore Records, and we've been and the last couple two minute minor records we've done on there, and then we're getting ready to do a compilation. I think that in a couple months so we got some really killer bands for it it's all hush hush i'm pretty i'm pretty stoked about the bands we got on this comp but uh it's wow. coming out and and everything we do with it um is you know like with the with the the coffee and hardcore records all the proceeds that we do always go to charity so we're doing we've been doing suicide prevention right now mm. and then the the compilation is going to be for a, a no-kill pet shelter in new york wow um so very cool that's awesome yeah it's badass man yeah and so i and i can kind of wiley won't kill me for this but we do have a big surprise coming out um at the end of this month we're releasing our own coffee wow it's exclusive brian we got we got a exclusive (laughs) (laughs) breaking news everyone breaking news Yeah, our, our our buddy Jacob from Oak and Crow is is roasting it for us, and so we have two blends because I like I like the dark and Wiley likes medium, so he did two two blends for us. So and all the proceeds go to uh, suicide prevention. So wow, so hey, I'll buy some. Them. I will buy some. Yeah, it'll That's be on. Um, I think we're gonna do it through the Two Minute Miner uh, store. So okay, yeah, yeah it's gonna let's, be cool. Yeah, Work let's harder. plug that in our in the show notes. Let's remember to do that. Oh, absolutely. That's fantastic. I I just think like, and I love that you're because I sometimes I don't like listening to podcasts if they're like super long ones. Um, but you, but and you're laughing because you know that yours are quite long because yes. like one because there was the last one I listened the last one I listened to I was like, did they just have two interviews in one one I think they did because then at first I was like wait because I was waiting for it to go off and then I looked down on my phone and I'm like. There's still like 45 minutes to an hour left. <laughs> and then either you, Mick, or Wiley was like, oh, here's our next guest. And I'm like, wait, what? This is like rapid fire. But it was so great because I think the one, the second one was the guy that your friend as the park ranger, then also yeah. this coffee guy. And then the other one, I forget his name, but he's there in Chicago. And I forget what he's, I forget his name. You probably know the episode. Um, he's from Everybody. Everybody's Coffee. Yeah, yeah, and that was, that was just great. But I, I'm I'm here at work. I work at a college, and so I can listen to podcasts for hours. And 
that day that I listened to it, I think I messaged you too. I'm like, this is so great. Like I'm here, I'm learning about coffee because you, you, even your guys' little amounts of knowledge is way more than me. Um, <laughs> but then I also get to listen to like sweet hardcore music and I'm like, I'm like in the hallways cleaning and I'm like, oh, who, what is this band? So I'll go like put it on pause and I'll go down to my break room and like write these band names down because I'm like, hey, I always like hardcore music. So. <laughs> It's it's a great thing I love, and that's why I was like, oh, I gotta have him on because you get to talk about hard, like, hardcore music, which I love, and coffee, which I need to get in more. I think my wife will like this because she likes coffee a lot too. So, <laughs> yeah, that's wow. our, that's kind of been our thing. Is like we started doing these, and we we're like, oh my god, this is like two hours long, and then in that the last one, I think the one you're talking about is was three hours long. <laughs> Yeah. And we're like, how? Who's gonna listen to this? But, <laughs> I will. I will. I will. But you know, uh, I'm like, if you know, if if you listen to 45 minutes and then come back, you can listen to the next 45 minutes. Uh-huh. There you go. <laughs> hey, you don't all have to listen to it at one time. You can break it up in yes, yeah, in increments. <laughs> hey, and it's your podcast. Who's gonna tell you? That's what's nice on not like having it on this big, you know, podcast. Yep companies they'll be like oh you got to do it like this you're like this is our own we could do whatever the hell we want with it exactly so, exactly why not <laughs> so yeah let us know when that coffee comes okay. out and, and all that. I, i'll definitely buy some and i love that you guys are uh, donating all the proceeds to yeah. charity because that's 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 amazing it's baller and it goes a long way and i want like one of our listeners who've listened to not just revolution but uh but Sacred Collective is Harley. He's down in Corpus Christi, but he's a huge Two Minute Minor fan. Oh yeah, and I found out about Two Minute Minor. He he keeps the, like sending me like you know links. He's like check these guys out. And then when I started listening to Coffee and Hardcore, I'm talking about you know with Wiley, he's like oh yeah, I'm in Two Minute Minor. I'm like wait what? This whole just how how everything is connected. And I'm like I know people who like this band and all this stuff. So it's kind of cool about how all the the music. Uh, this music's coming together it reminds me when i was in a band back in the day we sucked but it's just when i was in that band for like a like two years it's just like you grow with other people you're like i don't know this person was a band oh i don't know we're in a band let's jam let's do this so it's something that i miss i mean i was like 16 at the time but that's that's what i miss i miss the people always ask do you miss being in zay or do you miss torn and all that and i don't miss i don't miss the the band stuff quite a bit like the writing like i do miss the writing but the arguing over what's going to go where and all that i don't don't miss that but i miss like going to the shows and hanging out like selling merch and hanging out with people meeting new people and then after the shows you know like hanging with the bands and then going and eating somewhere and people showing up like some of the friends that i've made in that in that time frame like are still my friends like I, Mm -hmm. i i you know there's this kid named adam he's not a kid anymore but his name's adam baker and he's like in he's in um st louis and uh i've kept through social media we'd be able to keep track and like you know his family even though i haven't we haven't been in the same room for probably 20 years like there's still a connection there like any moment i can message him and say "Hey, hey man this is going on and like in two seconds he'll message me back and there's so many people that i've met like that you know um, through the band and stuff that, you know, I wouldn't trade that for nothing. Um, yeah. even, mm-hmm. you know, like even the, the conversation, like, um, coming up on the, the next episode that we're doing, Brian from the blame jumps on. And I met Brian back in 1993 at a show cause he played guitar for mortal 
and <laughs> and uh and like i we met and talked and i was a teen i was still in high school and like five years later i'm at cornerstone and we're playing at cornerstone and brian's there and like brian's like hey what's up i'm like how in the world do you remember me and like <laughs> you know we've kind of kept that you know from a distance but you know relationships and it was just like so cool to have those connections still and and so we had brian on and brian are like brian and I are having all these you know crazy band stories and i think it might be a little too annoying. I don't know. <laughs> We're like talking about Mortal and uh, Deliverance <laughs> and Tourniquet and all these old school Christian bands and all these old venues. It's, it's kind of fun, but now I, now I'm I miss going to shows. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> You're talking about all this. I'm like, when can this pandemic be over? Because I'm, oh, yeah. I'm jonesing. And you know what I miss, which is really sad. But, I miss going to these like dive bars and these small, yeah. really small venues. Because now it seems like these bands are playing bigger venues some of those bands are still around i mean there used to be this little coffee house um actually ran by people who went to my high school called the fireball in saint paul and they brought in just killer bands they brought in local bands but they brought in like the huntingtons the dingies uh squad 5-0 before squad 5-0 got really big just uh, and they brought tons of like new york hardcore in and wow. chicago hardcore and then all nice. those little venues are gone now and now it's just these mega you know if they wanted to play they have to either play in like someone's basement or yeah. a little dive bar and it's sad to say but a lot of these dive bars are going out of business unfortunately oh, yeah. probably go out of business because of the pandemic yeah. but yeah oh now i'm jones and mick to go to shows <laughs> <laughs> i know i miss the old the, the old vfw shows yes you know, the old you know community community buildings you know where there's no stage and you turn off the lights and you got one light bulb yeah. or, you know from a lamp yes. and, you know yes. people are killing each other you know those are the those are the days oh yeah um, i will say minneapolis has a pretty wicked hardcore scene oh yeah mm-hmm. not as good as chicago but it's 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 pretty good we got a good hardcore punk scene we also got a really good hip-hop scene which I never knew, but that's awesome. You want to listen to good hip hop? Come to Minneapolis. Hey, I'm I'm from West Virginia. There is no scene here. Yeah. <laughs> you gotta you gotta drive like two or three hours to find a scene. Zayo, Zayo is like the scene. That's it. Like Zayo was the scene for Parkersburg. Pretty much. Pretty much. <laughs> yeah. So real quick, I don't want to be respectful for all of our time, but talk to me a little bit about Bearded Hope. Do you do that as much? Because I've listened to a couple episodes. Um, and like, kind of, what is that? What do you do on Bearded Hope that's different than than Coffee and Hardcore? Um, I <laughs> I started Bearded Hope just to have an outlet, and then the um, the guy who owned Zap Records challenged me, and he was like, "Why don't you just do it and do some interviews?" And so I, I did, and I I started it with with Dave from Zap, and then um, I did one with Wiley. And then I did one with uh, Nate Allen, and they were all awesome. And then COVID hit, <laughs> and uh-huh. I kind of I kind of slowed it down um, because there was, I definitely there's I, it, the form it was kind of moving in the right direction, and, and I kind of want to keep going that direction. But um, what I wanted, what I want to do with Bearded Hope is kind of focus in on maybe some deconstruction and really talk about mental health. And spiritual mm. abuse, because my conversations with Wiley and Nate both went that direction. Like hearing Nate's story sounded a lot like my story, um, just on a different coast. And the more I talk to my friends, and more I talk to guys who've been involved in 
the church but also involved in like the hardcore punk scene or whatever a lot of them have the same story when it comes down to some sort of abuse mm-hmm. um you know spiritual emotional physical um and in some cases sexual abuse and it's like and all that came from the church mm. and like so you know mentally you know how do we walk out of that how do we how yeah. do we move forward how do we you know not you know you can't there's you're scarred you're, you're, that's never going to be something that you're ever technically get over yeah. right right but how do you move health healthfully how do you become more healthy in that mm. moving forward so i think that's where um that's going to go from here on out like i know um i talked to a couple folks and they won't mind me sharing like them coming on but i've talked to brian gray about doing it from the blamed and uh adam baker my friend adam because he also he does a mental he does a like a mental health podcast and has folks come in and talk quite a bit so i thought man that'd be cool to have him come on because he's been involved in the hardcore scene and all that so you know he could definitely share some stories and some experiences so that's kind of where i want to take it um so that's that's Probably I want to I want to I don't want to say it's going to be sooner, but it's probably be more like the summer is when I'll start uh, rolling those back out again. So I'm really looking forward to it. So yeah, very cool, very cool. Um, thanks for being on, Mick. It's been a pleasure. Um, super excited that we finally got to connect, and I yeah, apologize man. for oh, being don't. four four Try. months late to the. I, you know, <laughs> I'm, a, I'm just a bad podcaster. <laughs> don't yeah. worry about it, man. <laughs> Hey, five years ago, if you asked me, hey, Brian, you're going to, you know, be doing podcasting and online church stuff, I'd be like, yeah, whatever. <laughs> and here I am today, you, you know, you why not? Uh, do you want to you want to plug anything like any handles for like Instagram or sites so that people can, you know, help support you guys and all that jazz? Oh, I just say um, just check out uh, Coffee and Hardcore. If it's just it's just Facebook backslash I think Coffee and Hardcore. Same with Instagram, uh, and then the podcast is like on everything. Like it's on Spotify, Stitcher, Google Cast, what you know, mm-hmm. iTunes is on all those. So wherever it's, you're it's listening easy to, to this right now, exactly, yeah. you can find it. So yeah. so that. Um, yeah, and then if, if anybody would ever want to check out Hope Community, it's just wearehopecommunity.com, and that'll get you to everything that you need to get to uh, with that. So. We are, I'm going to write that down. Wearehopecommunity.com. Yeah. yeah. Awesome. Thank you, Mick. Um, and let us know when that coffee comes out because we'll, we'll okay. promote that too on, awesome. on that. We all, we, Sacred Collective, we love helping other Like, you scratch our back, we scratch yours, that, you know, that kind of thing. And it's all about networking and all that stuff, so definitely want to support you guys on that and and for these uh, charities that you guys support too is really awesome. top notch thank you thank, thank you. you very much um yeah until next time Mick thank you see ya no problem thank you thanks for being part of our conversation to continue the conversation find us on social media at sacred mn Wandering. 
The Sacred Collective Podcast is hosted by Brian Odland and Caleb Rowe. Our guest today was Mick Cox. This episode's music is by Member. The Sacred Collective is produced by Chromatone Productions. (laughs) 